Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message. Cry out, sing.
what's the purpose of this Sunday? It's important that we understand why we do what we do and what the purpose behind it is. So I want to share with you some scriptures uh, that essentially highlight the importance of what we do. So in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and assuredly I am with you always till the end of the age. Make disciples of all nations. If you read that again, you understand, you want to pick that word disciples. It didn't say make church attenders it didn't say make worshipers it just makes make disciples of all nations that's our mandate right as we minister to the nations mark 16 and verse 15 says he said to them jesus go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation that's each and every individual that is our mandate as believers is to share the good news the gospel the gospel literally means the good news of jesus and then in acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is one of those incredible verses he said jesus said to them but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you look at the person next to you and say, tell them the holy spirit comes upon you ah the holy spirit comes upon you right that is what gives us the power to be witnesses and you will be my witnesses my witnesses witnesses about jesus in jerusalem in all of judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth now uh i was reading this today from rick renner he said Pray like you, your success depends completely on God and work like your success depends completely on you. Let me repeat it again. Pray like your success depends completely on God and work like your success com depends completely on you. You see, each and every one of us has a part to play. And the influence of the kingdom of God on this earth will never reach the, the, the places and the areas and, and the domains that we think it should reach unless we take that to heart and we begin to implement that very principle in our lives every day. If not, kingdom will just be spreading to the extent of those who say yes, those who partner with God. Now, in John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus said that we ought to work while it's day because night is come when no one will be able to do it. And so we are at a time right now, and the opportunity is ours to be able to share and preach the gospel to our creation. What we do, we partner with him. And as a church, we partner with ministries. And so I want to tell you that, uh, first and foremost, Mexico, right? I want to tell you that we have shattered that goal. And thanks to you guys, God is so good. God is so good. And uh, not only did we shatter that goal, but the family that said we're going to match that the purchase of the house literally gave us a check for an extra $12,000 to build another house. And so we are, yeah, God is so good. And so we're now working with the, the YWAM mission and EJ and, and team to make sure that we can do, if we cannot build both of them at the same time, maybe we can partner with some of the students there or just give them the funds to be able to build another home. Isn't that amazing? God is so good. 
Uh, and you know what? You may think, well, I, I can't go. But you know what? Your giving facilitated that. And you're actually going. I love what David shared last time. That you are going with our giving. As a church, we are represented as we go. Those families that are going to be living inside of those homes, those two homes that were built for the glory of God, that is you and me that have participated in that giving. So to God be the praise and all the glory. But I wanted to tell you just real quick, if you're wondering, like, how do we give money to missions? So we allocate everything that comes into the offering, 10% of that gets allocated to our missions department. That is both local ministries, local missionaries, and global missionaries. And you're going to hear some of those in a minute. Let me also say this, that for some of you who might wonder, like what happens, uh, you know, with anyone inside of the church or outside here in the city of Charlotte that may have a need and they, you know, they don't have anybody and, and they come to the church and say, hey, can you help us out? Well, we have what we call a benevolence fund. And in that benevolence fund, we allocate, again, the 10% of what comes in to bless First of all, our church families, and we have used it a number of times this year, and, and we're thankful for that. That's an opportunity to be able to bless some of our church families, some of our people that may be going through tough times or tough season. You don't have to do it alone. We want you to know that we are with you right? That you are not alone. But also there's been external family, external individuals that have real needs that we can help and assist. And so we're thankful that God has given us the opportunity to be able to bless others. It's an honor for us to partner with local and global missions. And so without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Sam Benta that is going to come and, and give us a little bit of a of a uh, recap on who we support locally here in the city of Charlotte and surrounding. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we say a big amen for missions? Amen? So I'm here to share with you about the local missions that we support. And, uh, and I want to encourage you as I go through this list, the idea is that we want to give, right? Financial, we want to give and be a blessing. But, you know, David read the scripture where Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. Our Jerusalem is Charlotte. And so we can literally go. We don't have to send money for somebody else to go. We can go right here in our own city and do missions. So as I go through this list, if something really touches your heart, I want to encourage you to begin to go and participate with these people in their ministries that they're doing, and many of them are leaders in our church also who are doing this. So um, instead of me trying to explain every ministry, I just, I have some of the quotes from their own mission statements and what they're doing. This has got to go very fast because it's a lot of them, but here we go. First of all, we have uh, present age ministries with Kayla Babson. Is Kayla here today? I don't see her today. Uh, they are really, they're committed to combating uh, trafficking of teen girls. And so they try to go in the community and educate the community to prevent it. But then they also take care of these girls who have been trafficked. And they bring them in and sponsor them and help them and, and help them, you know, turn the corner in their life. We have Neighborhood Hope with Josh Meadows. Um, 
very interesting statistic. Our city is the worst city in the country for upward mobility. That means less than one out of every 10 people who are in poverty ever get out of it. So their goal is to go in the neighborhood. They live there in the neighborhoods. They, they disciple these kids and these families. And so they're there every day, all the time, reaching out to them, uh, mainly with mentoring them. And so that's a great ministry to be involved in. By the way, their ministries are kind of off Highway 74 toward Matthews and a little closer into the city if you'd like to do something there. Then we have Think Revival with Walton and Tina Union. Hey, wave your hand over there, Walton and Tina. And their goal is to really to, to provoke churches and provoke believers to pray, believe, think, and revival and believe God for revival to break out, not just in our city, but in our state and our nation. And so they're really doing everything they can to get the church involved in that. Uh, then we have Christian Adoption Services. Taylor, is Taylor here today? I haven't seen him yet either. So Taylor Ad Addison is part of that. And I love their statement that they're here to bring God's kingdom, to build God's kingdom by connecting vulnerable children with Christian families. They do it through local adoption. They do it through international adoption. They do it through foster care to adoption. So they're bringing children into great homes. Uh, we're involved in that, and Taylor is part of that. And, of course, Love Life Charlotte. I think most of us know what Love Life Charlotte is, which started in Charlotte, but now it's all over the nation. And then Taylor and Tessa, Tessa, wave at everybody, are greatly involved with them to see abortion stopped, amen, in our nation. Uh, and then we have I Am 24-7, which I thought was a prayer ministry when I first heard of it. <laughs> ben Page, I spent about an hour with him not long ago. And so they, too, have families who have moved into fam neighborhoods, uh, which really, quite honest, are a little bit dangerous places to live. But they're building relationships, mentoring through soccer and basketball teams. And they're tutoring kids every single day, tutoring parents, getting kids out of their environment, taking them on trips to other places, let them see what the rest of the world is like. And they're doing a great ministry. Uh, and then some of the others we have, Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child, most of you know about that one. Beds for Kids is something that we're doing um, for families that don't have furniture. I've gone and delivered furniture with them. I've gone to their warehouse, helped them build furniture. If you'd like to go and deliver furniture and pray for people, that's what they'd love for you to do. Also on Saturdays in the warehouse, if you'd like to come serve there, you can go there and serve. Uh, and then we have Charlotte Eagles in the inner city ministry with David Havera and Bill Emmerich. Uh, he's part of that. By the way, we did a, a block party for them last year as a congregation. He called me this week saying, hey, can you guys come do a block party again? 
So as a church congregation, we're going to go. It's mostly Hispanic neighborhood, and we just kind of bring food and drink and fun and games and and sit with a translator and try to talk to everybody. <laughs> I got to talk to a lot of people with my little teeny bit of Spanish, I know, but somebody knows a little English there. So it's a great way to reach out in our community, amen, right where we are. That's right off of South Boulevard. So David called me this week, and we're going to do something again. Uh, Loaves and Fishes, the local pantry we support and give to and do uh, food. Uh, we raise up some, raise up some food. We, we grow some food. No. <laughs> we bring some food for them. So these are our local ministries that we're involved in physically and financially. We, you know, one of the things I've always said is I don't want to just be a church that gives money. That's fantastic to do that, right? What David, that's just great that we do that. But God wants us to get out there and interact with people, share the love of God, serve these ministries who love to have people. If you just popped in once every other cup, every other month or so, just to serve and give somehow, it would be a blessing to all of these ministries. That's all I have. David Sanford, he's going to share with you about our international ministries. Thanks, Sam. Let's give Sam a hand. Good job. Hey, I just want to tell you how blessed I am the way you guys responded with uh, the ministry in Mexico. Uh, our desire, as we shared, with, with, was that um, missions and international and locally, that it would be a value that just resided here in this place. And... Uh, I don't think you can tell how important something is to somebody as much as when they put their money there. And, uh, man, I'm just so proud of you guys. And I, want, I believe that's a marker. I think that's a stake driven in the ground for this church. So I, I want to share with you about our international missions. And Dave's uh, asked myself, EJ, Mueller, and Walton, uh, to form, we have a team to serve these international missionaries and also to serve you so you can be aware. And that's a lot of what we're, you're investing in this. Uh, this is return on investment day. Uh, as you give to this church, every time money's allocated to go and invest in these things. And, and we all can't go and do this, but partnership is absolutely critical and key. In that. And I also want to make you aware that with some of these international missionaries, we're providing the opportunity for and we're encouraging and want to inspire the actual adoption of a missionary by some of our community groups to where that person knows that that group's praying for them regularly, can send um, care packages, write notes on the. Man, can you imagine being living in the Middle East and you're there with your wife and two little kids and you get letters and you get zoom connections with a home group and saying, how do we pray for you? And you pray for them right there, man, that would just be a game changer, wouldn't it? So let's, we want to raise the level of investment and connection with that. So here's, here's who we uh, our global partners are because all of us can't go. We partner with people so they can. And it's on the next slide. There you go. Elam Ministries, which Joe Connor's here to share with us about Elam, but they serve 
train and equip pastors and leaders in the Iranian church and beyond with the, with the Persian church. Unbelievable ministry that's going on there. What a privilege to partner with them. You'll hear more about that. Freedom International, Austin and Laura Greeson, they're down in the Dominican Republic. They have a school down there and they have other ministry to families that work the sugarcane fields. And that's another destination that we want to have to where we're taking teams and we can go and serve them and encourage them. So look for that on the radar coming up soon. And then uh, Malaysia Outreach, a couple, Michael and Leslie, some of these people were not because our uh, stuff's being broadcast right now. We don't mention their name, their full name and where they are, but they're in the 1040 window in, uh, in a Muslim country and fantastic ministry that's happening there. Continually just getting reports of people coming to Christ. They're being discipled, entering into Bible studies with them. It's fantastic. YWAM, and of course we have Lyndon Lloyd who's out of our church and he serves with the base there in Mazatlan, which is where the team's going. So when the team lands, Lyndon Linda will be your host and take you around and he'll be engaged and we'll actually be serving Lyndon and helping elevate what he's doing there. Isn't that cool? So, and he's going to take you guys, for you guys that are going, he's going to take you places you have never been before, and it's going to stretch you. I'll just leave it at that. SIM with uh, South Thailand, uh, Thailand Outreach, and there's a family there, Jay and Julia, serving in local churches and a pretty um, intense context there. So that's as much, so, but you're investing in them. And? Reality Outreach Ministries, that's Carl and Kathy Bath, and that's your brother, right? Yeah, and they have a fantastic ministry across, across the world and in some really difficult contexts that they go in and they connect through drama and public presentations and things. A lot of people come into Christ through that. And then the Middle East Outreach in Dubai, with David and Ruth. And once again, in a very difficult to penetrate, uh, penetrate uh, context, and they're there living, incarnating Jesus in that, in that place. So there we go, we've got that, right? So, oh, and then Missionary Athletes International, I serve with, with MAI, and uh, we just use the context of soccer to share the gospel and disciple youth when they come onto the teams and a lot of international churches and ministries are using this because they're in a setting where kids and families, particularly in Islamic context, they're not going to come to church, but their kids will meet you on a soccer field and 3.4 billion people in the world love soccer, so it works. Okay, and next, is that it? Yep, that's it. So I want to introduce Joe Connor, who's come to share with us, and Joe works with Elam Ministry who Elam uh, started in Iran and people that moved there, lived there and gave their lives there and, and saw hardly, there was hardly no fruit for decades. And now suddenly through walking and driving through that country and praying over cities where nothing was happening and giving their lives to that, there is now floodgates that are open it's the fastest growing church in the world right now. Think about that. Think about that. And Elam comes to train and equip the leaders and the pastors to teach church planting 
and they are, I've been there with them, and they are absolutely fantastic, and the proof is in the pudding, man, that their, their people are healthy and alive, and uh, the church is just growing greatly. And we, in a small way, but we invest in that. And so uh, all of this is done through relationship. I'm good friends with Joe. He played on our Charlotte Eagles professional team when we had a professional team. He came to the United States on a scholarship, became a Christian at his, at his Christian college, came and played for our team, and then he finished up his last five years playing professionally in England. His wife is American. They moved back to Atlanta. And interestingly, his mother-in-law worked for Elon in admin. And next thing you know, he's on staff with them helping with all of that. And he came to Charlotte and said, I want to meet with you and tell you what's going on. And we, we see the opportunity for sports ministry and other things. So our ministry also is with MAI is very engaged with Joe. But I just love Joe. I love his heart. He and his family, no joke. They're all in 100% just precious people. So let's welcome Joe to come and share with us. All right, so Father, just thank you for Joe and uh, sacrifice that he makes. And we pray that you would reward him with yourself. Just uh, beyond what he's sharing today, we welcome our friend and part of our family in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Wow, what an introduction. Makes me sound like something, somebody really cool. Um, <clears throat> I'm really happy to be here this morning. And I want to, before I get into the work that God is doing in the Aram region, I was praying um, for church this morning, felt this strongly in my heart and just feel it even stronger during the worship. The worship was absolutely beautiful, by the way. Thank you, guys. Um, I don't know if this is for multiple people or one or two people or just one, but um, Jesus is really alive. You're all in church on a Sunday morning. You've heard that probably a thousand times. Jesus is really alive. And he is not ashamed of you. He really, really loves you. He's not ashamed of you. Whatever you've been through this week, whatever you've done, Jesus is not ashamed of you. He loves you. Um, so if, if that was for anybody, if somebody's spirit just jumped up inside of them, I would love to pray with them later on today or the end of the service. So uh, I want to start. I've actually been here before. Um, about four or five years ago, I came to share. Some of you may remember me, but during that time, you as a church have been faithfully partnering with Elam monthly, and I just want to say a huge thank you. What you give as a church is bearing fruit. I'm going to share some really great stories and great things this morning, and this isn't just the church in Iran's story. This is our story because we're all part of it. It's one big global church. Uh, but like you've already heard, Elam's mission is to strengthen and expand the church in the Iran region and beyond. We do that by training leaders, we plant house churches, and we distribute scriptures. This is a Farsi New Testament. I'll tell you some stories about that in a while. Um, but Jesus is alive and moving in Iran, and by the grace of God, 
Iran has one of the fastest growing churches in the world despite persecution. This book is illegal in Iran. They are, they are banned. They are, you can get put in prison for distributing this book. Um, converting to not just Christianity, if you are born a Muslim, which is like 98%, 99% of everybody in Iran, it is illegal to convert to any other religion. Like by law, it is illegal. Uh, women are second-class citizens. Maybe you've seen Iran in the news over the last few years and you've seen the protests, you've seen women that have been beaten for not wearing their headscarves. This is all true, this is all happening. Yet Iran has one of the fastest growing churches in the world. Hearts are open. So to just give you kind of a big picture idea, um, 20 years ago, we finished translating the New Testament. There was about four to 5,000 Christians from a Muslim background inside Iran at, at, at the time. 20 years later, people estimate that there's around 800,000 to a million Christians. Some people are saying two to three million Christians. We always give conservative estimates because we really don't know. These are all Islamic people who have encountered the love of Jesus and have been radically changed. Just last year, Elam started 200 new house fellowships inside Iran. That's, that was just last year. That is with with partners, with people like you who partner with us, we're able to do it. This is all national leaders being trained. Um, thousands of leaders have been trained. I can't go into all the details of how we do that, but like David said, he's traveled with me to the Iran region. He's seen some of these leaders. It's very, very beautiful. With that much growth, you have growing pains. So we're not perfect. We're trying to do the best we can. We're trying to keep up with what God is doing, essentially, is what we're trying to do. This year, we are planning on printing and distributing 250,000 New Testaments. And I tell you, 250,000 New Testaments, when they go out, they are well-received. Well-received. This book is illegal, so it's really cool in Iran. All right? There's a lot of the people in Iran that are disillusioned with their government, which makes them disillusioned with Islam because it's an Islamic country. So when they see this, they're like, oh, I want to read that. When you cross the border into Iran, there are big banners with this book on it that says this is banned, this is illegal, you're not allowed to take it in because so many of these books are traveling into Iran. They're being smuggled, they're being carried in people's luggages. It's really, really wonderful. Um, so what you see on the news, if you watch the news, I don't recommend watching the news all the time. If you watch the news or you look online and you see the country of Iran, you might see scary ayatollahs with big beards. You might hear stories of nuclear weapons. You see an Islamic country that hates the West. My friends that grew up in school over there, they used to have to say their prayers in the morning and then uh, chant death to Israel, death to America. This was their life. Um, you see women being beaten. You see protests. And that's true. That's there. But God is writing a different story. And it is a beautiful story. And he invites us all to play a part in that story. And so, with that, I just want to share two stories with you this morning. These are real stories. These are people I know. 
The first one is a few weeks, well, this one is, well, it's all happened this year, so it's only a few months old. I was in the Iran region about four to five years ago, maybe five to six years ago, and I was part of a, a group of, uh, of people, and we went to a local church, and we trained some people. It was like a two- or three-day conference. There was this guy there. So what's happened, we, we work in the Iran region, and we work with a lot of refugees in the surrounding region, so people that leave for political reasons, religious region, reasons, they just want to find a better life, and we work with them outside the country. And we train people outside the country, we send them back, and we also work with a ton of refugees. This was a bunch of refugees I was working with. There was hundreds of people in this room. And we just give some like Bible training, encouraging. It's just a fun conference. And there's this guy there. So you've got to imagine for these people, a lot of Afghan people as well. We work with a ton of Afghans. David can share the, the soccer academy we've got over there. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of Afghans in it, and they're coming to churches, and they're coming to the Lord. Afghanistan actually has, people believe it's the second fastest growing church in the world. So despite what you see on the news, uh, quite incredible. I won't go into too much detail about that, though. So this guy, he's a refugee with his wife, and for Iranian or an Afghan, the idea of coming to America or coming to the UK, or I'm English, by the way, if you didn't notice, um, going to the UK, going to Germany, going to Australia, one of these countries, that's like, that's where we need to go. And so these people are excited to try and get out of these nations and, and come. This guy gives his heart to the Lord. He's on this training, and he, he, he just is fo trying to follow Jesus as a refugee. He's falling more and more in love with him, and then him and his wife decide to go back to Iran. They give up their refugee status and they go back to Iran because they want to build the church because they know the hope of that nation is in Jesus. And they want their families and their friends to know about this love. This guy was arrested earlier this year and he was put in prison. And you're about to listen to a, a, a phone conversation between him and his wife. So if we could play, this is Cambys, if you could play this video and you can just listen to this phone conversation between Cambys and his wife.
So Cambise went to prison for church planting, distributing scriptures. He spent about three or four months in prison. I was just on a, uh, I saw him on a call the last month, and he was he was sharing about it. He led over thirty people to Lord in prison in three to four months. He said, "Real criminals. These were real criminals. You know, not just other Christians, but." Um, these criminals have told him that when they get out, they want to help distribute the Bible in Iran. All right, so that's one story. Here's a second story. This story is a little bit older. So again, this, I am telling you fresh stories. This is not uh, about a church 50 to 100 years ago. This is what's happening now today in our time. Okay, this next story is about a friend of mine called Sarah. Um, she was a single lady in Iran, fell in love with Jesus, gave a heart to the Lord, wanted to follow him. Her mom actually became a Christian. She had a vision of Jesus while she was doing a daily namaz prayers. That's where the Muslims bow down and stand up and pray five times a day. She encountered Jesus, came to Christ. But Sarah's story is she felt the Lord uh, tell her to go to a particular city in Iran. I won't name it. And the Lord said to her, I want you to plant seven churches in Iran. There wasn't a church there that we knew about. A single lady in Iran, she was early 20s, and she went to a city that had never had a church before and wanted to plant seven churches. And the Lord started to move, and she planted churches. Grown Muslim men were seeing her as this mentor, and she was helping lead them and guide them, and she was planting church after church. She planted six churches over the course of some time, you know, a year or two. Uh, these are house fellowships, so, you know, 15, 20, 25 is too many for a house church normally. And they know the location of the seventh church where they want to plant it because this is a big city and they have it in different locations. And she's excited. The seventh church is coming. God is going to fulfill this word that he gave me. And she gets arrested. And when she's arrested and she's been interrogated, the authorities know about all six of the churches and they know where she's planning on planting the seventh church. And she said to me, Joe, um, I, was, I was angry at God. I was frustrated. I was annoyed. I was disappointed. She was put in solitary confinement. She was there for quite a while. So she's in a little cell all by herself and she's annoyed and frustrated with God. And um, she was giving up hope. And she said, something happened. Joe, I felt the Lord speak to me. And this is what he said. Sarah, you're acting like I'm not alive. Sarah, you're acting like I'm not alive. And she said, Joe, everything changed. I repented in the middle of this solitary confinement and I believed that Jesus was alive again. And she said, from that moment, I could feel the prayers of the saints around the world praying for me. She came out of prison. It took her a while to recover from everything that she'd been through. She went back to that city, eventually implanted the seventh church. That's Sarah's story. And there are people all over Iran like this. Jesus is writing a beautiful story in Iran. Can we just um, show that podcast slide? So 
I love telling you stories. They're great, aren't they? Um, but we decided I sit with these people, I work with these people, and when I sit and have dinner with them and I hear their stories, I'm like, I wish I could take all my friends and we could come and have dinner with you together. So I decided with a few other of my friends to start a podcast. On this podcast, you can hear Sarah's full story. Okay, it's called Jesus Speaks Farsi. You can get it anywhere you get podcasts and it's me and a few other friends and we just have conversations with Iranian men and women who've been building the church in Iran. It's in English so we can all listen to it. And instead of believing me, you can hear people like Sarah and others for yourself tell their stories of how God is moving in the Iran region. So is there really joy in persecution? Is the gospel really good news? Is Jesus alive and working today? Can Bees and Sarah say yes? So what does that mean for us? <laughs> it's really great and it's really encouraging but when we're faced with uncertainty and challenges and we wonder where God is in all this situation, do we really believe that he is building his kingdom and that he's drawing all people to himself? The church in Iran says yes. And they're saying yes to him every day. And I, uh, I said if I had a few minutes left at the end, I would, I would share one more thing. I want to share one of the greatest lessons I've learned from working with the church. And I've been working full-time with Elam for about six years. I've been friends with people in the Iranian church for about 18, 19 years. So I've been able to be around it. Um, the church in Iran is in a season of harvest. It is absolutely incredible. Muslims are coming to Christ every day. They're falling in love with Jesus. They're sharing their faith. This word is going out and changing lives every day. Um, but the church in Iran wasn't always in a season of harvest. There were people that labored and prayed and gave their lives and saw hardly any fruit, right? What we would call a harvest. But they were faithfully obedient to what God had called them to do in the season that they were in. And I want to encourage you and ask you to just think for yourselves as a church, as an individual, as a city, what season are you in? And what does faithful obedience look like for you in this season? I want the stories of Iran's church to um, cause people in America, people in England, places I go and share the story, I want it to provoke us to a holy jealousy. Man, I want that. The same Jesus that is alive in Iran is alive right here. And he loves us. And he wants to build his kingdom. And we go through different seasons. So I just encourage you, what does faithful obedience look like for you? You saw a lot of great ministries on the screen. What does faithful obedience look like for you? Spend some time with that. And, uh, and I pray you were encouraged by the stories. If you want to know more, listen to the podcast. I've got a few magazines I can keep uh, hand out. Come speak to me afterwards. 
This church is growing. Jesus is alive in Iran. He's writing a beautiful story. Jesus is alive right here, and he's writing a beautiful story right here. So what part is he asking us to play in it? Thank you so much for your partnership. Thank you for your prayers. Jesus is really alive. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for sharing with us today. You know, um, we start off this morning uh, talking about how God is beautiful. Amen. But you know, uh, it's also to, it's so amazing to hear these stories of how he is beautiful across this world, reaching out to people who we think is totally unreachable because God is an awesome God. Amen. Let's just give, God, just give God an applause because Jesus really is alive, right? Amen. I'm going to uh, take some time to praise God and thank him and pray for us. But before we do that, I just want to uh, uh, put up a slide that gives you the face of the team that's going to Mexico this year. Um, the, actually, if, if anyone's here on that team, could you just stand up really quickly too? Anyone going to Mexico? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And the reason I put their faces up too is because I want you to have something concrete to pray for and to give thanks to God for. This is, this is one of our first short-term trips that we're sending out from our church. And it's a chance for us to not just pray, not just send out money to people, but to say, you know what? We're willing to give our, of, our, of our very own, our very best, to go and take the gospel to new places. So I put up these faces uh, remember them, get to know some of these people, be praying for them. Because as they go forth, there's going to be a spiritual battle to be fought. But you are the, 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 the prayers behind them as they go out. Because they, alone they can do nothing. But as God is standing with them because you're praying, amazing things will be released. The harvest will be brought in. Amen? So let, let, let's pray. And uh, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for uh, uh, Joe, Connor, and, and the ministry. Uh, Let's lift, let's lift this up before the God. Father God, we thank you, God. Thank you so much, oh God, that you are a God who's not just a, some parochial God, not a God of some village, but you are the God of the entire world, of the entire universe. And God, you are so holy, so mighty, God. You also love this world. You love the people in Iran. You love the people in China, in Russia, in Africa, India, across this world. And you have not left yourself without a witness and without a testimony. God, we have heard today from Joe Connor how, God, you are doing amazing things in Iran right now. Things that we have not even have thought possible. But you, oh God, you are alive and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ like never before. God, thank you. We praise you for this, God. Thank you for, for the Mexico team that's going to be going out later this year. Thank you for the 11 people. God, we pray for protection upon them. Pray for favor upon them. God, would you, would you build into them? Would you encourage them in the coming months? Provide. Thank you that you've already provided uh, a one home that can be built, two homes that will be built. God, we pray, oh Lord, even as they prepare, God, there will be many, many families, even beyond those two homes, that will be touched with the gospel, that the hearts will be so on set on fire, God, because we have stepped out in faith, God. Thank you for that, Lord. And God, we pray, oh God, that you will continue to bless uh, the ministry of Joe, God, that you would continue to raise up many people 
who are unafraid of prison, unafraid of the persecution, because they know that Jesus Christ is worthy of it all. Oh God, pray that you would continue to protect them and, and, and allow them to grow even faster, to grow even deeper than anything they have dreamed so far. And God, I pray for our church here. Thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here at MCC. God, thank you for, for all the generous giving and for all the prayers that have taken place so far. But we, God, we know that you have a heart that is so much bigger. So, God, I pray for our church that you continue to expand our hearts to resonate with your heart even more. God, you have a, such a heart for the lost and such a heart for the world. God, set our hearts on fire even more. God, give us that kind of determination and, and that, that desire, God. Help us to be like Isaiah, that as we have beheld your presence and we get to be blessed with, with your presence every, every day, every week at this church. God, I pray that in the, the, in the beholding and being captivated by your presence, God, may our hearts be captive to your mission, captive to your desires, God, for this world. God, we pray, God, make us a people whose, whose desires for to bring the gospel is, is so paramount, God. Do that within us, God. Give us the, a, a delight in your presence that we can share with our neighbors, share with those at, those at Harris Teeter, share with those at our workplace, share with those on the corners of the traffic uh, intersections where we go, Lord. Thank you, God, that you will use us as we step out in faith. So, God, give us faith. Give us a greater love. Give us a desire to sacrifice and, and to, to choose to do even hard things for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way in each of our hearts. God, we want to be sent out by you. We have seen what you are doing. You are beautiful. Your work is beautiful. God, give us a part in the story today. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much. We love you so much. You are so good. You are so real. Bless our church. Bless the city. God, bring revival, ignite our hearts, let the gospel and the harvest go out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Walton. And by the way, those individuals on that screen, just zero in on one of those people and pray with them, will you? Just pray for them. Just intercede for them. If you don't remember anyone in particular, just pray for the whole group that God will just bless them as they go. And, by the way, you heard it from David, we are planning more, right? I want you to know that uh, probably Dominican Republic might be the next one if we can get in and, and find out how we can bless them. But uh, I want you guys to know that, uh, you know, David and, um, and his wife in Dubai you know, we've been talking on the side, and they said, and actually, they're going to be here in July, and they're probably going to come and, and, and say hi and share a testimony or two. But, uh, you know, we've been talking about the fact, hey, you know, you guys want to come over there? It'd be great. Uh, uh, I spoke with um, uh, uh, the, the couple that is with Sim, uh, and uh, they are in a, in a village where there's like over 98% of the people are Buddhists. And they would love to have us go and help them out. And, I mean, that is across the board. It's incredible. We have incredible opportunities to be able to do that. But 
I want to challenge you with something. As I was sitting there, I felt the Holy Spirit remind me of, we've been talking about the Iranian church and the Afghani church and, and what God is doing across the world. Um, it wasn't long ago that we were unable to meet in this building. We were all at home, COVID, locked up, wondering, hoping, uh, could we not get together? I, I just would love to be with my brothers and my sisters. And didn't have that opportunity until probably about a year and a half or, you know, for most churches, two years for some, some places I don't even know if they're still meeting. But you know what? There's been a phenomenon that's been going on, right? The fact of our humanity is that we take for granted what we have. We take for granted the privileges and the ability that we have to encounter the Lord on a regular basis. And so oftentimes we, we come, whether it's unprepared spiritually or we come thinking, well, I, I got this and I, I don't have to worry about it. I, want, I have an assignment for you. I felt the Holy Spirit remind me of Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3. Because the angel of the Lord of those churches, right? Jesus spoke to John about what was happening in those churches. I want you to go home and read Revelations 2 and 3. Do you fit somewhere? Are you mentioned anywhere in those churches? Is your heart committed, dedicated, on fire for Jesus? Or is this just another thing that you do along the path of calling yourself a Christian? Because that is an easy thing. I mean, I, I'm a Christian. What else would I be? I live in America. What else do you want me to be? But we have a responsibility. And you know what? The church of Jesus Christ will not grow... Just because we have a sign outside that says Mission Community Church. It's going to grow as you and I take our responsibility serious. I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning, right? That kingdom involvement and kingdom impact will not be experienced unless we take our responsibility serious and that means that we share the gospel and that does not have to be across a crusade or campaign or whatever it happens naturally it happens organically it happens as we share jesus wherever we go and i'm challenged this morning because i don't want i i love what you share joe that you know god is real in the farsi church in the Persian church, but he's real right here. And he wants to do what he is doing there in our midst with each and every one of us to share stories of transformed lives and power encounters with Jesus. Like they dream about the man in white. You know what? Maybe we can have some dreams about the man in white here. We need those too. And so I challenge you, and you know what? We have opportunities. 
Uh, Sam mentioned the, the amazing opportunity to be able to, to go into some of these local ministries. Let's do that. You're part of a community groups. Community groups will be challenged with that. And uh, we've been talking a lot about becoming the hands and feet of Jesus in practical terms in our city. Let's do what we can. And then globally, we're thankful. I'm really thankful for uh, EJ's leading that uh, group to Mexico, but along with David, who is the uh, the overseer uh, in charge of a global missions uh, in in our group, and and uh, uh, Walton, the three of them, we get together, we talk about how we can impact our church with missions in general. So I'm really, really thankful for the the participation, the collaboration, and the partnership that we have, because we want to do more for his glory, not just so that we can say, oh, we've done what we've done. No, we want to bless the Lord with what he has given us. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.